Bees Radio Network. Live coverage of Bees Home Games. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Bees Radio Network podcast, episode number 33. And joining me once again, as ever, Mark Denham, how are we? Hello, Graham. I am okay. How are you? I'm pretty well. You know, it's been a it's been a, an Easter weekend of sunshine, a little bit of wind out there as well. But uh, most importantly, being inside, being safe, hopefully beginning to see that curve flatten and hopefully seeing us to return to some sort of, uh, well, normality in inverted commas, hopefully by June time. Yeah, normality is something that we all took for granted, didn't we? Now all of a sudden we realise the number of things that happen day to day that we do take for granted. And I was talking earlier today with uh, Kate Jones and I was just saying, like, you know, the number of things that we do take for granted are absolutely crazy, aren't they? I mean, like everything now we're thinking, can't do that, can't do that, can't see them, can't see them. And I just hope that when this goes back to normal, we kind of don't take for granted those things again when we can do them. Because, you know what, we do enjoy an awful lot of freedom on a day to day basis that currently we're not. And perhaps we should be more grateful for that than we actually were. Well, it's weird, isn't it? Because you think about this, we, we, we should be sat here in a different parallel universe. We'd be sat here talking about the final weekend of the, the playoffs and we'd be building up towards the Coventry Final Four on Saturday and Sunday. Instead, we're nearly a month now into the closed season. Um, what really should be like May, June time in realistic, we're, we're now in April it feels a long, long way away, the start of the new season. Hopefully it will still be September. All plans are for September right now. It feels a long, long way away. Um, but it's going to get there. It's going to roll around. And do you know what? This weekend, and I don't want to turn this into the cricket podcast, I've been watching these Sky Watchalongs yeah. that they've done on Sky Cricket. And you just look at the moment when Ben Stokes hits that winning boundary, when England have the winning run out from last summer, and you just look at the crowd, and that's when you realise... That's what I miss most about sport is the reaction of crowds, is the reaction of of, of fan bases to moments in sport. That's Mm. what I mean. And I think you talk about not taking things for granted. I'm not going to take for granted going to watch an ice hockey match and maybe watching an outstanding moment within a game anymore because you never know. Like It got taken away from everybody in a heartbeat. Literally overnight in this country, ice hockey got taken away from everybody, at least in our league. You're never going to take it for granted again. You're never going to think, you know what? I can't be bothered with this. You're never going to take it for granted. And I think that, and I think there's so much about life. We talk about sport and I think the rest of life could be exactly the same as well. It's very, very true, isn't it? You know, there we were just the week before on the podcast, deliberating over who would make eighth spot, the potential playoff matchups, who would go through. And then all of a sudden it's just pulled from under us. Make no mistake. It was the right decision to pull it from under us, but it does just show you, doesn't it? Like, you know, how quickly life can change. And I know what we're talking about here is minor in comparison to anyone that's been affected by COVID-19, possibly those that have experienced loss among family and friends. What we're talking about here is minor. But what it does prove is that really a lot of stuff that we did take for granted, we shouldn't have taken for granted. And when we do get the chance to do it again, we certainly shouldn't. And we should appreciate what every day gives us, because at the moment it's not giving us a great deal other than perhaps our health. We're not able to do much. We're very, very restricted. But when that time comes that we can say, okay, we've beaten this, we need to be grateful for the freedoms that we have, 
and for the fact that we can decide to drive to an ice hockey game. We can decide to drive to see each other. We can socialise. We should, again, just be appreciative of those little things that we have grown up and never questioned and now realise, wow, I did take a lot for granted. Indeed. Well, everybody, keep being safe, keep being aware, keep following all the government guidelines, everything like that. We will come out the other side of this sooner rather than later, I'm hoping, if everybody just pitches in right now. But the hockey world continues to turn, especially it does here at the TSI World Bratnell Bees. A couple of bits of news coming out from the club we're going to discuss before we move on to our big question that I posed last week to Mark. And we've both had absolute headaches trying to come up with this and trying to whittle it down. I don't think we've even managed to whittle before it down. We get so. To that. Can Ooh, I just, hello. Just, a, just a question. Are you going to throw another challenge out to me at the end of this week's podcast, or can I kind of like wind down now? Have you, you come up you with have the a, answer you... to this one? Or do you have <laughs> another challenge that's going to be thrown out right at the end? Mark, you know how the Bees Radio Network podcast goes. We barely plan anything in it, and it's only the challenge will come available if while we're discussing it, I come up with a new challenge. Well, that's what I thought last <laughs> week, and then a new challenge got thrown out at the end. Because <laughs> I thought of it during the thing, and oh, we did okay. it. Hopefully Let's tonight will not... <laughs> then, before you get to think. Indeed. Right then. It's always dangerous when I do any thinking. I'm sure there are many people who will say that. Right then, let's just roll through the news from The Hive, starting on Easter Sunday night, with the news that uh, Edward Nags will not be returning to the Bees for the 2020-2021 season. He has moved on to another club who will be announcing him in due course. Haven't announced him at the retirement recording to the podcast. We're recording it a little bit earlier in the afternoon than we're used to. Maybe they're going to announce the signing tonight or maybe they won't. Who knows? But yeah, Edward Nags is moving on after two seasons back with the Bees. was one of Doug Shepard's signings when he took over. And yeah, um, I think the mixed reaction online too. I think there's a lot of disappointment that you're losing a very good, young, talented player at the age of 21. Uh, certainly put up the points this season. Certainly part of a very good looking young defensive core that we're here at the Bees. Uh, not going to begrudge him. He feels the opportunity to move on is there. It's a shame probably his last memory is going to be turning over a massive puck against the Raiders. Um, and I'm sure that that will sit in some people's minds. I wish him all the best moving forward. So don't take anything for granted with with, with Eddie. Um, I wish him all the best. I do feel and I do think that maybe the Elite League is possibly beyond him now, though. Well, if you look at the Edward Nags that we finished the previous season with, you would have been absolutely gutted to lose him because he was a standout player. And yes, there was a lot of talk about the Elite League. Edward has had a uh, he's had a decent season this season, but it's not been uh, even a replica of the one before. If you look at young players, you look at them making progression season on season on season, and that happens with some players. But for Edward, I think this year, maybe even in his own mind, you'll think I didn't quite have the season I could have had and I should have had. And I do think at this stage in time now. Um, the Elite League is probably a solid National League season or two away now because he did get a couple of chances up there in the Elite League while he was with the Bees. But I think at this point in time, he's going to have to go out there with whoever he signs for when they announce him. He's going to have to go out there when we get back on the ice and he's going to have to rehammer his name into the minds of the Elite League coaches and say, look, you know what? I am excelling in the National League, because I think that's what the Elite League coaches look for. They look for the players that are excelling, that they could then bring in and further develop and bring them on to potential 
future GB stars. And I don't think at this stage now, after the season that he's just had, I just don't think Edward is quite where he needs to be if he's looking at uh, an elite league jump. Yeah, it's obviously a very different style of play when you move up to the elite league. And look, there's been players over the years that you've seen take the step up to the elite league and you go, how are they getting the call up? How are they stepping up? And I look, I'm, I remember thinking when Sammy Zajac stepped up back nearly 10 years ago when he left um, Basingstoke and made the jump. And it was like, how's Sammy going to survive up there? I just, I couldn't understand it. But the intensity that he brought and and and, and the um, the battling for the puck that he brought elevated him to last so many years up there with both Newcastle and Glasgow. And you've seen it with other defensemen as well. Kids like uh, Zach Sullivan and kids like uh, Declan Barmer, who've made that step up. What they've all had is either an incredible intelligence on D or an incredible physicality. Definitely the case with Sammy Zajac and Declan Barmer on the physicality. And in terms of the intelligent, definitely the case with Zach Sullivan. I just feel Eddie doesn't land in either one of those, unfortunately for him. Uh, so, I, I, as you say, he's still got a chance, and it, like, it depends what we're hearing. Some fantastic rumours about what the elite league might go for in terms of import quotas, in terms of the under twenty three, under twenty four rule. There's all sorts on and off the table at the moment, and it's a really changing situation up there. There's maybe a chance that you know what, a couple more years, getting a little bit stronger, a little bit bigger. Maybe he's going to be a little bit more of a late bloomer. Maybe he's going to hit twenty one, and all of a sudden just begin to step up twenty two, twenty three. Don't doubt me. It's a blow for us defensively. Uh, I think it is a blow in some ways for us defensively. I'm going to be curious to see where the pathway of Eddie Nags goes from here. I think defensively, maybe it won't be quite such the blow that you're thinking. Edward has chipped in very well offensively this season. But the, the prime job of a defenseman is to stop players getting into good shooting positions to protect your netminder and make sure the majority of the shots they face are from, from the netminder's point of view, easier positions. And I think a few times this season, uh, Edward hasn't quite managed that. As you say, the horrendous turnover against the Raiders, followed by an equally similar one on home ice the night before, uh, the night after, sorry. I just think this year, you know, oh, <laughs> The best bit of advice, and bear in mind, I've never played ice hockey because I can't skate, but as someone who has played a sport before, when you have kind of a rough game, a rough season, the best thing you can do is just clear your mind, remember what you did right that got you signed the year before, go back and do that. Because if you look at the Edward Nags from not last season, but the season before, full of promise, instant decision for Doug Shepard to re-sign. And then you just think if you can go back and recapture that and build again from there, then I think Edward does still have every right to hope one day to go on and play in the Elite League. Once he gets back to that player from not last season, the season before, build from there on forwards. He's got all the talent. He's got all the skill. He can play well defensively. He can score as well. He's got a good offensive mind. All the talent is there. He just needs to go back one year, reestablish where he was, put in a year or two solid performances here in this league, and then maybe the Elite League will come knocking for him again. So indeed, it was one out the door with Eddie Nags moving on. Uh, but one man who is returning for the 2020-21 season is James Galazzi, announced uh, earlier on Easter Monday. Um, and yeah, look, heart and soul of the club. And I think there's no doubt when you read all the press releases and you hear everybody talk about it, it's all about heart and soul of the club. What uh, Gaza brings 
in the dressing room to the players around him it's impossible to sort of to put a finger on it because what is it is it it's a mixture of character it's a mixture of leadership and everything but it's those sort of things that click in a culture and as a result James who look we have to remember this as well right now he should we should be building up towards his testimonial as well and unfortunately that's obviously now on hold as well so Look, he's going to, he'll come back. It's going to be great to have him back for sentimental reasons, but also for performance reasons, because there were times this season where he just clicked. He, he did all the simple things that allowed the players around him to step up and be confident in their ability to play up as well. So I'm delighted that James is going to be back in the uh, Bees Colours once again next season. Equally delighted I am. And we may, we may very well have mentioned this before. There are some players you look at and you think that they are one-dimensional. And I have to say, looking from the outside in, I always thought James was a little bit one-dimensional. But what we've seen, I think, like under the, the, the coaching of Doug Shepard, Doug's obviously sat down with James and outlined his vision for James Galazzi within his B's team. And James has done everything that's been asked of him over the last two seasons under Doug Shepard. James has done everything. Last season was his 10th season. And it was horrible for him with a pre-season injury that kept him out for months. But he came back and no way after he came back did he shirk anything. He played the offensive plays. He was coming back, helping defensively. He wasn't afraid to go in and battle in the corner. He wasn't afraid to lay the big hits. He put his body on the line. He put his heart and soul out there. And I think you can see now that James Galazzi is anything but a one-dimensional player. As Doug Shepard has said, he's a heart and soul guy. He's a leader and he is someone that just through his dedication, his commitment will drag others with him. You know, when you get to the the business end of a close game, James will still be out there battling hard, still putting in 100% on every single shift, whether that's trying to get the puck to the net, whether that's trying to get himself to the net, whether that's battling for a puck in the corner at either end of the ice, James is more than happy to do that. And because he does that, those that are lining with him and those that are sitting watching from the bench at that point in time will think, my God, look at the effort he's putting in. We're still going to go out there. We're still going to do it. And I am delighted that he is back again. And the other thing is to focus on, this will be James's 11th season on the trot with the Bees. He did play one season where he played five games way, way back. Uh, And then he waited patiently for his time, developing in the Hornets before then getting his call up. This is his 11th consecutive season. You do not get to play 11 consecutive seasons with a club at the level that the Bees were at in the EPL, were at in the Britain Conference and now are at in the National unless you are an asset to that team. And I think James is one of the biggest assets that we have in terms of not just his play, but the way he plays as well. Exactly. So one in, one out. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of other comings and goings to happen over the next couple of weeks as well. Obviously, best way to stay up to date with all the latest from the TSI World Bracknell Bees is via our social media channels and websites, which we'll give out later in the show. Right then, um, not a lot of movement elsewhere across the league in terms of signings over the past week. Uh, just the one name that really jumped out to me, which was uh, Stephen Chalmers returning for another year at the Hull Pirates. Now, a couple of years ago, you would never have believed that Stephen Chalmers would be in this league. He looked cert on to play in the Elite League for the whole of his life as a really um, secure demon up there. But he had a couple of years out, moved across to Sweden, made some lifelong friends, etc. Back there and then returned to the Pirates midway through the last season. 
And I think that's a heck of a signing. He's a no-nonsense defenseman. He is really, literally, underline him, put a dot on it, put an exclamation mark on it. He plays the way that Jason Hewitt and the whole Pirates want to play. I think that's a really good signing for the Pirates there. Their fourth signing so far of the off-season. You know what? There are some players who have the ability to play for the Elite League, but they don't want to play for the Elite League. Now, you know, for, for whatever reason. And I think Stephen Chalmers probably could work his way back to the Elite League if he wanted to. But he is happy in Hull. He's settled in Hull. And as you say, he is a fantastic part of the Jason Hewitt vision and the Jason Hewitt system. And I think that the Elite League's loss in him not heading back up there is certainly the whole Pirates gain. And let's be honest, that whole Pirates team, when you look from the defence forward, is a very, very strong team. So it's certainly, I think, a good team for him to be a part of. He seems happy there. His play is well suited there. And that's a great capture, I think, by Jason Hewitt. Indeed. As I say, that was the only signing news of the week, but it would be remiss of us not to mention... What's that? A very quiet week, really, this one, isn't it? Very, very weird, isn't it? As you said, we should be preparing for Coventry, shouldn't we now? Yeah. Rather than thinking about, right, which player shall we announce? And obviously you know, sat here on the Bees Radio Network podcast, we should be preparing for the Bees to be at Coventry. Because one thing, like I know we have like our agenda. The one thing is, right, Graham did say earlier, we don't plan this, but we do have an agenda of most of the things we're going to say. One thing I want to say is that on social media, there has been a virtual NIHL national playoffs. <laughs> now, on this, on this uh, I, I wasn't going to give this airtime, but on this virtual NIHL national playoffs, the, the final group tables were published yesterday and they don't add up. So that's how good this is. But the interesting thing is this was taken with that incredibly horribly skewed table that the IHA decided we would finish the league with. And it doesn't take into account the missed games of the penultimate weekend and the final games of the regular season. So it is my firm belief that as a team hitting form at exactly the right time, the Bees would have finished in eighth place. Now, whether the Raiders would have finished in seventh and the Steel Dogs in ninth, or whether the Bees would have overtaken the Raiders with the Steel Dogs in seventh and the Bees in eighth, it is my firm belief the Bees would have made the eighth spot, which therefore nullifies the entire NIHL national virtual playoffs that have taken place, I don't know how, uh, in somebody's head to come up with a table which sees the Bison top the group with six games played, three wins, one overtime loss for eight points, when that's surely seven. But there we are. That's how the virtual playoffs works, apparently. We need to talk about the 3-2-1 point system again, don't we? Well, probably, Um, yes. I don't know how that point (laughs) system was devised, but it certainly wasn't devised under this season's rules. Uh, New rules for the playoffs. That's what what, what, what COVID-19 has done. Uh, what I wanted to do very quickly was just mention the players that are on two or three-year deals or have already re-signed elsewhere. So you might be wondering why there's not a lot of noise coming out from our friends down in Hampshire. That's because four players are due to return on the second year of their two-year deals, which are George Norcliffe, Adam Harding, Ryan Sutton and Jay King. While down in Swindon, goodness Gracious me, there's a smorgasbord of them. Aaron L obviously returning as player head coach. Sam Bullis in the second of a 
three-year deal, Stevie Whitfield in the second of a two-year deal, Thomas Malazinski in the second of a three-year deal, Chris Jones in the second of a two-year deal, Rennie Marr signing on for two years, Tyler Plews, Neil Lydiard and Floyd Taylor all signing from Swindon. So I imagine we might not hear too much from Swindon over the coming weeks. No. I mean, I've, I've seen a little bit of a discussion about should teams really be announcing players? Should really this be going on? Like, there's more important things right now. I think it's, I personally, my opinion is, it's important that we we continue this news cycle. We, we keep pushing this forward. At the end of the day, I don't think you're going to see many clubs announce players who are signed from other teams. I think you'll just see a lot of re-signings coming up over the next couple of months. I think, from my point of view, the way things are in my mind, my life is anything but normal, as probably as yours and as probably as anybody listening to this podcast. But for me, I want to cling on to as much normality as I can. And yes, it does feel strange sitting here on the, you know, the, the Easter weekend, writing a press release in the close season about a player that has re-signed for the Bees. That seemed really strange to me when we would have been preparing for the Coventry weekend. But I think that clubs are doing the right thing here in that the season is closed. Let's make no mistake of it. There's rumblings about some form of Final Four. But without completing the league and the entire qualification, you can't really have a Final Four that is of any meaning really anyway. The season is done. Therefore... I think, you know, coaches are now entitled to obviously speak to their own players. They would have been entitled to do that anyway. I think coaches are entitled now as well to, for want of a better phrase, sniff around, see who's available. And as you say, you probably won't see many of the cross-team signings being announced as yet. But in terms of announcing players that have re-signed, I don't see a problem with that. I, for one, whilst it's weird writing it, I look at like other announcements and that, and I just think, you know, it's a bit of normality, even though it's come a month early. It's a bit of normality in my life when there isn't much else left that is normal. So from my point of view, I do hope that we continue to get the signing announcements. There will come a time where teams will start announcing players that they have signed from other teams, and that's all well and good. But the issue with that is once that starts happening, um, you then have this kind of final four thrown into chaos because let's say for example Edward Nags was to go on and sign for a team in this league well if you have a final four he can't play for them because he didn't play for them last year and that's where this all gets quite crazy now in terms of this final four um you know the teams that may be picked for this final four what if their imports have gone home they're not going to travel back for one weekend what if they've released a player they're not going to say, oh, yeah, I'll come back and play, despite the fact you told me you don't want me next year. It just throws it into chaos. But in terms of the announcements, from my point of view, I hope all of the teams carry on doing the announcements because it is a little bit of normality in an otherwise very abnormal world right now. Indeed, fully agree with you on that point. Uh, and in terms of announcements, there's a couple that we can uh, start rolling through just also to do with the bees, but unfortunately these aren't player signing announcements but on a friday night it's a big weekend for the bees obviously we should be preparing for the coventry playoffs instead we're going to roll on a couple of events for you so friday night will be the end of season awards night we are doing it virtually for each and every one of you it'll be hosted across i believe our youtube channels so one to look forward to there'll be more information about it later in the week so all those award winners that you voted for the coaches player of the year the players player of the year the school zone inspiration 
uh, Player of the Year and also a variety of off-ice awards as well. Uh, we're looking forward to it. It should be quite a, a fun night. It's going to be different, as you say. Mark mentions the word abnormal. Well, this was very much abnormal. But it's important that we do these events. It's a shame we're not all going to be together. But maybe we can all sip at home with maybe a glass of something strong or light, whether you want squash or not squash, and uh, just sort of sit back and relax and enjoy the evening's entertainment. Do you know what I'm thinking here? We could do it like our watch parties, couldn't we? This is, just, you know, when you said earlier, I just think while I'm doing this, this has just come to me. We could kind of set it up as a premiere, couldn't we? And we could watch it together. That's the plan. There you go. Well, that's the plan then, you see. So I'm glad I thought of that. I'm so glad I thought of that now. Uh, but no, you know, like as Graham says, and it will be available. Will be available on catch up afterwards as well. I believe the plan is to showcase it live, and then it is available on catch up if you're not able to join. Well, I'm glad us. I was involved in that discussion. Um, was I involved in that discussion? Actually, hang on, because there's a lot of Jeez. emails on this. Jeez, there's a bus that looks like he's trying to throw people under just going by at the moment. I mean, there's one of the few vehicles on the road, but it's out there. Oh well, um, yeah, buses are allowed, although you shouldn't be using them unless you're going shopping. Uh, medical needs or, of course, essential work, which cannot be done from home. Or so if you're looking to throw people under them. Well, um... If you're looking to throw people <laughs> under them, then you shouldn't be out, should you? And you should not visit your friends to throw them under buses. But anyway, I'm glad that we've got all that. You virtually throw us under on? a bus. Can, can we move on now? Uh, so also, you did mention the watch party. There yeah. is a double delight of watch parties for our fan base this weekend. We're gonna, we've been sitting in the 90s for a little while, but we feel it's time to move it forward. Just a little bit. Now, I did see some fans going, can we show some games from this season? Can we show some games from sooner? It's a long off-season. I really want to underline this to you. We have got a lot of time to get through. This year. Exactly. There's no point burning it up very quickly. We've got a lot of time. We've got a couple of decades to get through. Yes, those games will come, but let's just give it a little bit of time right now. There's no point burning off every idea we've got in the first month and then we're going to get to July time and we're still in this situation, okay? Give it time, bit of patience. So we're rolling the clock forward now to 2005. Goodness me. So we're out of the Super League. We're now into the British National League. We're going to show you both legs from the BNL Winter Cup. So that was against the Newcastle Vipers. We have got the highlights to show you on the Saturday at 6.15. And then on the Sunday at 5.30, we've got the full second leg from the Hive for you to watch as well. So all good fun. Uh, Going to spoil it now. The bees win it. So you can sit back and relax and enjoy it a little bit on that front. <laughs> we um, a spoiler alert there. Well, uh, I, think, I think people knew. But yeah, so we've got both legs from that one to look forward to. And again, little advancement in the eras, little change in the hockey going to be a little bit more interesting to watch. Well, yeah, I mean, this is uh, BNL, so this is uh, eight import maximum from those days. And what a blast from the past, eh? The Newcastle Vipers. What a blast from the past. And you know what? As we've done this, the one thing that's quite sad is we've seen the Air Scottish Eagles, who are sadly no longer operating, and now we'll see the Newcastle Vipers, who are sadly no longer operating. And what this does show is the challenges that hockey clubs have faced over the years and if you think about it, the Bracknell Bees formed in 1987 and here we are still going, getting ready for a new season that starts later on this year in 2020. Here we are still going, whilst sadly some others have lost their teams along the way as well. So I think obviously for the, the former fans of the Newcastle Vipers, hopefully they're still involved in the sport somewhere. Hopefully they're still watching somewhere. But this weekend they can... 
at least even if Graham has given away the result for anyone that didn't know it, they can still enjoy watching their their old team back in action this weekend on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, and the face-offs, as Graham said, would have been as they would have been for us this season, 6.15 on the Saturday and 5.30 on the Sunday. We'll be publishing the links for those later on this week on our social media, which we will tell you about at the end. So make sure you are checking our social media so you can set your reminders for those premieres this weekend and indeed also for the uh, awards night on Friday as well. Lots to look busy forward weekend. to. Busy, busy weekend. Uh, it's no easy way to transition one this one, but it's important that we very quickly mention this obviously uh we do want to pass on all of our uh best wishes to the family of colby cave who unfortunately died at the age of 25 just four days after having surgery to remove a cyst on his brain and brain and um suffered a bleed on the brain uh, just horrific um story to read uh none more so than the fact that his wife was unable to visit him in, in hospital and the family were unable to visit him because of the ongoing uh coronavirus pandemic just uh, horrific thoughts uh for, that go to your mind and obviously all our best wishes do go out to the family it's sort of it's one of those stories that you you saw building and you saw the hope and the, the that he was going to be able to pull through unfortunately the the nhl staff unable to do so i know that there's been a lot of uh a lot of outpouring of emotion with the likes of wayne gretzky because obviously he played for edmonton and, and the club being very much so but our family our, we we pass on our best wishes to all his family and it's just horrendous to hear It is horrible news, isn't it? He passed away at the age of just 25. That shouldn't be happening in any world for any reason. I mean, when you're young, you kind of learn, don't you, that you're born, you live, and when you're old, you pass away. And that's like kind of the the cycle of nature. But every now and then, it does get broken. And such a, a... Let's let's make no mistake about this. Such a talented, young, strong, athletic person. It just proves again that we can take nothing for granted. And like you, I send my thoughts to his family, his friends and his teammates at what must be a horrible time. And let's not forget, as you pointed out as well, his wife couldn't visit him in hospital because of the coronavirus pandemic. And also, like, you know, lockdown is pretty tight. He, his friends and his family won't be able to get together now either to grieve together. So very, very sad news for the friends and family of Colby Cave, made, I guess, even worse by the effects of the coronavirus and the fact that people can't get together to grieve, to share their memories and just to support one another as well. So our thoughts on behalf of the bees and the Beast Radio Network with the friends and family of Colby Cave, who's passed away at the age of 25. Lovely stuff there. Lovely tribute. Anyway, right. Time to roll on now. It's no easy way of transitioning these, so you're just going to have to sort of just jut it. Uh, we're going to go back to the all-star discussion that we had last week. If you have not listened to episode number 32 of the Bees Radio Network podcast, I suggest you press the pause button now, go back, download episode 32 to hear Mark and I come up with our all-star teams of teams that played against the Bees last season, sticking to the rules. And then halfway through the contest, I turned around to Mark and said, you know what, next week we're going to do just do our all-star teams of all time from any club that we have been involved with. Now, just before then, uh, I read out some of the great fans that sent in their teams last week and then forgot one of them and then got messages about why had I forgotten to announce his team. Mm-hmm. Well, so I have sorry. One as well, that's coming so, this week. 
So sorry, Steve Murray, for forgetting to mention your team last week. So here is Steve's all-star team for performances against the Bees last season. In net, he has got Jordan Marr. At the back, he has got Stevie Whitfield and Danny Rose, both who weren't mentioned last week. So good choices there. Up top, we then have uh, Martin Susters, uh, Lucas Slakowski, and Aaron Connolly. Now, Slakowski is a, is a very, very interesting one to me because I was completely underwhelmed by him throughout all of last season. I know that he took a couple of goals against us on a couple of occasions in uh, Romford, London, Raiderland. Yep. Um, but I honestly... I Not one that uh, I considered either. I'll no, it didn't even cross my mind. It wasn't even like, I'm going to mention him. So, But obviously, Lucas did enough to... It draw Steve Mary's attention. So uh, congratulations to Lucas on making that all-star team. You say you've got one for us as well, Mark. I have got one as well, which is coming from Owen, who is uh, 13 and a fan of the Bison. Now, I know that we had a Wildcats one uh, who submitted their team last week and didn't include any of their own players, nor any of the Bees players, obviously, because it's against the Bees. But uh, Owen has sent his in, and his is Alex Metham. In goal, so he's picked his own goaltender. Uh, then has Grant McPherson and Chris Jones, Aaron Connolly, Thomas Canar, and Mason Webster. Aaron Connolly did feature certainly uh, in our teams last week as well. Uh, but Alex Metham was Alex Metham suggested by um, anybody else though, Graham? Or is that the Do first you know one what? for him? I, I think that's the first netminder. That is the first one we've had for Alex Metham, and quite interesting because I do think Metham had some very strong games against us. Last season, I, 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 did we test him enough? I think more it was on the D and the offensive performances against us by the Bison that, sure, Alex stopped what was put in front of him in the game. And instantly, I'm gonna, people are going to go, oh, but we, we walked all over them in one game at the, um, at the building down the road from me. Um, but on that night, it was Dan Weller-Evans who was in net for the start of the game. Um, we're not going to get into that discussion. Mark will get hate mail no, again. No, that's not again. Um, so, but, uh, so, yeah, I can understand that one. Grant McPherson's an interesting one. <laughs> I mean, that's a tough team. Grant McPherson and Mason Webster in there. Yeah, you certainly added some <laughs> grittiness into that lineup, haven't you? I mean, what are the chances that all five of them are going to be on the ice at the same time during the course of a game? <laughs> well, it depends on who you're selecting as your all-star versus B's referees, doesn't it? <laughs> hey, but I feel not... they may very well be blowing their whistle a lot and extending their arm a lot. Do they have to get the extending notepad out? That's the big question. Oh, Are, are oh. we saying that he could make a comeback for this? Oh, we count him for this? We'll count him, we'll count him. In that case, I'm voting for, <laughs> let me see, Dave Cloutman and Matt Thompson. Oh, goodness me, you're rolling sorry, back the clock. Sorry, Stephen Matthews, who was, of course, one of our Patreon subscribers. Sorry for not including you Briefly. on that. If you're doing that, I'm going Nigel Boniface. And oh, Nigel yes. Boniface well, and Andy Carson. Let's not mess well, around here. If we include Nigel Boniface, the game would be done in like 62 minutes. Now, that's only if Blaine was alongside Nigel on that game. Just rattling through. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> rolling on. Uh, and there goes the first fine of the new season. Um, right I've then. got an engagement. Can we just hurry this up? <laughs> <laughs> so you know then, what? Like, in all credit to Nigel, okay, like, you know, Nigel was quite laid back, wasn't he? And you did get a quick game with Nigel, but he was a good official. And I think oh, like, yeah. his oh. his departure from the game was a loss for the game. You know, like, we're having a laugh here at, uh, at Nigel and the fact that he did call a quick game. But, um, yeah, he was a good official. And, but I do remember, I do remember mentioning to Dave Clampman once that Nigel Boniface had beaten his record of the quickest game in Slough. 
To which Dave then replied, watch this. And sure enough, Dave reclaimed his record. Now, I'm, I'm never... Look, one of, one, of my, one of my other highlights was once being stood uh, in the corner in Basingstoke. And I was stood alongside Lee Jones, who is now a former NIHL finals commentator, who is now a referee for many games at the Hive and other rinks. Yep. And he, uh, Dave skated over to us and all of a sudden just put his hand up against the plexiglass and just <laughs> just on his hands, on this bit of notepaper, was 2.47. And that was the time he was aiming to complete the game in. Yeah. <laughs> and this was before the start of the game. He just went 2.47 and then skated away with a big smile on his face. Do you know what? We do <laughs> joke, but, you know, when you think back, Dave Cloutman, very, very good official, now playing his role in training the officials of the future. Nigel Boniface, very, very good official as far as I know, doesn't have any involvement at all in the game anymore. And there are others as well that have stepped aside. But, you know, we did have some great officials back in the day. And do you know what? Like when you, when you were... Back in the day, Klaus has been retired. Klaus has been retired two years. You can't call that back You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Nigel Boniface (laughs) has been retired a little bit longer than that. But all right. We, We do have some good officials currently either still in the system or who were around just recently. Um... But you know what, like when you get to, when you work with the club, you do get to know the officials because you get to talk to them, you get to know them. And the one thing I will say is, you know, despite the fact Dave Gladman was more than happy to have a little joke every now and then, when it came to refereeing, he did it properly. He did it seriously, he did it properly. And the same with Nigel Boniface as well. Nigel called a quick game, but if needed to, Nigel would intervene and referee the game just the way it should have been. And I think the players did respect that as well. They knew that you could have a little bit of a laugh with the officials, but they were in charge. And I think that is, that's something that you always have to remember. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who's refereeing, be it a first-year referee or be it someone with all the experience of Matt Thompson, who is still continuing to referee now. Yeah, you can probably have a bit of a chat with them and a bit of banter, but just remember that they are in charge out there. And I think that's very important, you know. The referees respect the players, the players respect the referees, and the games get done. And then the ideal point is that the the referee or none of the officials are actually the talking point of the game. They come in, they know the players, the players know them, and the game carries on, and the referees step in when need be. I think that's great, and that's something that, you know, when you look at Dave Clamwell, when you look at Nigel Boniface, and you look at now as well, like officials like Stephen Matthews as well, uh, Stephen Matthews has built up a good relationship now. He's been around a long time now at this level, built up a good relationship with the uh, the players. They all know him. They all respect him. Yes, there's a bit of back chat every now and then, but that goes both ways. Everybody knows each other. The line's not crossed and it all gets done. Indeed, indeed. Right then, back onto the uh, all-star topic. Now, we did set a couple of rules on this one to make it a little bit harder for ourselves. So this is our all-star teams. It is fitting in with two imports on the ice. So there is a focus on the British players, uh, although there has also been a, a little bit from some of the teams we received off, you know, the uh, Milton Keynes rule to what counts as a British trained player. And I'm I've sure that... It. Oh, there he is. See, I've played by the rules properly. So, uh, Steve Murray... I can't wait for this. Steve Murray, having forgotten you last week, I'm going to put you first this week. So, Steve Mary, um, and the other rule we put was that these had to be players that we had um, 
that we that have been involved in clubs that we've been at. Um, and that is either, obviously for Mark, that's going to be Slough and Bracknell and Basingstoke. For me, that will be Bracknell, Basingstoke, Bracknell. So all good fun on that front. Uh, so Steve Murray has gone Frankie Pietrangelo for his netminder. And I've just been reminded he never played for Bracknell. So it obviously made such an impression. Oh, Steve's been disqualified already. <laughs> I mean, this has gone badly wrong. I mean, Frankie Pietrangelo was an outstanding netminder for the Manchester Storm in the Super League. Really was but not a, the Bracknell Bees. But not the Bracknell Bees, but was outstanding for the Manchester Storm, but still made such a good impression that he's in Steve Murray's team. I'm sure we'll have to have a correction on the podcast. This is just Steve's way of getting on the podcast every week, isn't it? <laughs> um, so on defence, Matt Cote as a reclassified Brit and Danny Myers alongside him, quite like this lot. And then mm-hmm. on the top line for him, he's forwards, Sean Thompson, Nicky Chin and PC Druin. Now that's a great reminder. We've had a few games on the watch party of watching uh, PC Druin. And if you haven't watched, I can't remember what it was called, but there was an ice hockey program. Like one of the first reality shows was the ability to potentially get a professional contract or a tryout again in the, uh, in the NHL. And PC Druin was on that show. And he was actually one of the older guys on the show, but was still one of the more talented players that was available for them. And at the time for the bees was an outstanding one as well. Uh, Dave Williams has also uh, put in his team. For those of you who enjoyed last night's watch party, what a tash. What a tash that Dave Williams had. Uh, he has gone for Bruno Campese in net with Matt Cote once again and again as a reclassified Brit and Shane McCosh. Uh, in other words, Dave's just putting in all the imports here because this is just a shambles. Uh, Chris Brown at top, Sean Thompson and Lucas Smithle. So all in all, Campese was Italian, British, Cote reclassified and... McCosh was Canadian. Well, we know Chris about Dave Masson with the two-goal hat-trick. So, in other words, there's only one Brit, really, on Dave Williams' team that's Sean Thompson. And when you think, last week, Dave made a point, didn't he? I'm going all Brits because we are a development league. <laughs> this year, he's gone all import this week. Has, has he decided to roll them out? Like, you yeah. know what? I, I kept them in the back pocket. Now I'm having them. Um, indeed. Right then. So that is the two that we received in. If you would like to send in your all-star team and if you would like to send in your corrections to your all-star teams uh, you can do so by uh, sending in via the social media channels at at Ice on Twitter and Facebook and we'll be delighted to add your teams again maximum two import players um, and they must be from teams that you were involved with or watched as a fan or if you're involved with the club involved with as a fan right last week uh, Mark took the lead on this one and uh, this week I'm we're so gonna... looking forward to this this is quite fun. And I tell you what, right now, I can tell you, I have got multiple choices <laughs> coming up here. So have that I. really might just be as I sit here and I go, oh, I'm going to pick this person. Uh, I'm going to start this week. Um, we're going to well, do it position. Sorry, Mark. Before you start, I just want to say, like you threw this challenge out last week and I had no idea it was coming. And I sat down after and I thought, right, okay, I know what I'm doing here. Picking your and friends. And then I came up with a, well, all right, okay. I came up with a team. <laughs> And then I looked through all these names and I thought, okay, how do I fit them in? How do I fit this person in? How do I fit this person in? And this is, I don't know if you are going to echo this, Graham. I found this so, so, so tough to settle on a final line. Because I'm thinking like, you know, I need to get this player in, but then I can't. And and I'm sitting thinking, right, okay, can this player uh, out? somebody else from my team. And it's just horrible because you're sat here thinking, well, there's, there's an all-star, but I've got no yeah. room for you. And it's horrible. It yeah, really is. 
It is so tough. You sat, I've sat I, here I with this. I don't want to be a coach now. Definitely. No, no. Sorry, I don't want to be a coach. Well, it's a, I mean, we're picking all time here, which means yeah. your scope is, what, 40 years? Um, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've got a wider scope. My scope goes back to 95 when I first started watching. So I've only, I'm only putting in 25 years to this. Yeah. It, it, it does make it a wider And it's quite funny, like, my young, I'm sort of trying to look at things through a lens. And again, this isn't necessarily like the best team that I saw, the best players that I saw. These are the players that I felt made the biggest contributions that stood out at the time in 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 the scope of the league they were playing in, in, in where they were at the times of their career. These are the players that you sit there and you, I look at over 25 years and you go, you know what? I was absolutely delighted to be involved in a club with this person. I was absolutely, it was a pleasure to watch this person play. Um, and that's what's made it. A, that's what's made it a real challenge. And I'm sure I'm not going to do it on all-star team across every because look, there's so many players over the years that we've watched that it becomes a complete wide scope. This is quite an interesting and fascinating smaller scope. Unlike last week where Mark read out all his team and then I read out my team, I think it's best we go position by position on this because there's a lot to to sit back here and enjoy. I know uh, I've got a few names that you are going to be equally as shocked at as I was at your goaltender last season, uh, last week as well. So, well, I'm, ho- I'm hoping. Here we my- go. Here we go. Then this is good fun. Uh, my netminder has actually already been mentioned by Dave Williams, Bruno Campesi, and there's a obviously Super League winning netminder for the Bees. Uh, just so many stories in terms of Chris McSorley getting his stick remeasured, getting his pads remeasured. The works on that front. What you forget was he was in an era still where we were beginning to transition into import netminders and, and quality netminders. Uh, obviously, Mark Bernard was there before he came very close second into this one. Bruno Campesi stands out for one thing for me, and it was the first ever time. And we're talking here, we're rolling the clock back to like 98, 99, 2000. It was one of the first viral clips I can remember on the internet it was a save that Bruno Campese made in a game. And I want to say it was against Sheffield Steelers in Sheffield. It was a one-on-one save, which was absolutely out of this world. There is no other way of describing it. And I can remember, and I think it might have even been Busby's website, where there was a little like video clip of it, awfully pixelated. You could barely see it, but I can remember watching it live on Sky. And I can remember having that and seeing that on a web page. And it really was like the first gift, the first viral moment I can remember. And I remember sharing it with my friend Dan and going, God, do you remember that Campesi save? And every time you watched it, you still didn't understand how he made the save. It was beyond out of this world. And and that for me is why, yep, we've only got two import slots. Bruno Campesi is my netminder in my all-star team. I have long spoken about uh, import netminders and how I don't see a problem with them. However, I have gone with a British netminder without giving too much away. My imports are outskaters. Therefore, I have gone with a British netminder. And there were a few that I could have chosen. And the one that I have chosen didn't, in all honesty, play for Slough that long but is one of the best British netminders that I have seen in any of the teams that I have been involved in, which is obviously Slough, Basingstoke and Bracknell. And I have gone with, in goal, Joe Myers, probably better known for his time in Cardiff. But hang on, hang on, hang on. There's a reason why I've gone for Joe Myers. I like this, go on. Joe Myers was thrown in alongside uh, the, the struggling 
Slough team at the end. And Joe Myers came out behind, let's be honest, like you saw it, Graham, from a Bison point of view, a very, very struggling Slough team at the end, decimated. Players had left unhappily. Players had been fired for whatever reason earlier in the season. And that team that finished the EPL season 2013-14 was by no means an EPL roster. But Joe Myers was put in behind that and still finished with a save percentage above 90 behind a, a very, very weakened team. Let's be honest about that. So from my point of view, and because I needed a British netminder, I have gone with Joe Myers to guard the pipes for me. I mean, I was looking at import netminders, but then I've used them elsewhere. And as you said, a limit of two... Uh, you know, as you said, a limit of two. And as I may slightly have used the Milton Keynes system oh, here in here my team already, I didn't think I could stretch it more than once. I mean, it, it is weird. Like, I appreciate this is a bees podcast and you're going to see a little bit of diving off the topic for a little bit here. You do think back to that Slough team where it just was decimated. Like, look, there were still some very loyal players at the end. Alex yep. Padlak is still banging around now. Mindy Kiris. Matt Tawalski, like there's Danny Road, like there's players in that team who, and you, you remember, you do have to, you do have to remember Joe Myers because like that was the era of what was it, uh, Yarina, and yep. then you had Vasilovic. Now, do you know what Yarina is on my list for consideration? And I know that you're going to laugh at that because there was that period. <laughs> His first the, game in the, the Jets colours. Right. Okay. Let me tell you the story. Okay. He was going to sign for the Jets, but didn't for whatever reason. Okay. He then retired and got rid of all his kit. Then he got the call to come and sign for the Jets. So he has come out of retirement. He's arrived in the country on a Thursday. He's trained on Friday in brand new everything, brand new pads, brand new body armor, brand new blocker, brand new catcher. Everything is brand new. And he skates out on the Saturday night and you were there and you were like joking with me about this to face the Basingstoke Bison. And his first period was, by any definition, horrendous. Five unanswered goals in the first period. What I would like to point out, though, is that we, Slough, that is at the time, lost that game 7-5. So after an horrendous period, he let in two goals in the remainder of the game. And what I will say is that whilst he did have that one horrible period, in the time that he was with Slough, before then going to Peterborough with Slava, he performed some amazing heroics in the Slough net. So he would have been in contention if I'd been going with an import goaltender, as too would have been Thomas Hedlowski as well from yes. Basingstoke, who would have been in contention as well. But, I've used my import slots, so I've gone with what I believe to be uh, a good choice in Joe Myers as well, who put in very, very good performances, finished with good stats behind a team, to be fair, that was not of the standard of the league. As you say, still we had Alice Padlek, still we had Mindy Kiras, and we had fantastic players like that. But that team that finished the EPL 2013-14 in Slough was not overall an EPL standard team. And yet Joe Myers came out of it 
uh, well and with good numbers. So my choice, Joe Myers. Yeah, very, 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 very interesting choice. I enjoyed that one quite a lot. As I said, this is where it really tests your mind. Like instantly I was sat here and I was going, you were talking about money and what? And I was like, oh, I didn't put Stevie Lyle in, but that era of bees, I sort of had moved a little bit away from the sport for a little bit there. So I, I never actually saw Stevie Lyle play in Bracknell Colours which is quite unique in some ways. But you did so, see him play in Basingstoke colours, though, didn't you? So you could have included him there. Yeah, I wasn't going to include him there. Like At the end of the day, Stevie cost Doug Shepard trophy that first season mm. in Basingstoke, I feel. Um, that's a story for another day, though. Uh, right then, let's move on to defence. I'll let you go first on this one. Who is your first D-man that you're putting forward, Mark? Okay, my first D-man that I am putting forward is somebody that I have mentioned on this podcast before. Uh, very, very solid. Gets like a horrible like blood rush to the head if he crosses the offensive blue line. But certainly he is a very, very solid stay-at-home defenseman. Now, obviously, one of the challenges we've got is we're putting together a team that for me goes back many, many years. For you, also many, goes many back many, many years. And we are now kind of mixing the generations, which is always very, very difficult to do. It doesn't matter what sport you look at, football, cricket, ice hockey. If you were to say somebody from 20, 30 years ago, would they still fit in now? I think it's difficult. But I've gone yeah. for someone that I've always admired as a stay-at-home defenseman who just does the simple things. And you have to be on your best form to beat this player. And that is Trevor Cogan. Yeah, like that. I just think Trevor Cogan just didn't complicate things at all. Didn't complicate things. He watched the play very, very well and he reacted very, very quickly. He watched and he knew where to be positioned and he knew what to do. And like, you know, I just think sometimes there are a lot of defensemen that are all about the show and sometimes they get beaten. Trevor Cogan didn't care if his picture was in the paper or not the following week. He didn't care whether he got the man of the match. He didn't care whether everyone left saying, wow, that Trevor Cogan's good. He just cared about doing his job to the best of his ability without making a show. And I thought that made him a very, very good and effective defenseman, certainly in his time. And I think, like, you know, if somebody was to play the game Trevor Cogan's way now and they were paired with a more offensive D-man, then I don't think you know any club would go wrong if you had a player of the 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 same style as Trevor Cogan, even in this day and age. And do you know what? It's quite funny because I've made a kind of similar selection to you in terms of a player that really didn't have a loss of offensive endgame, but was just for his time, I feel was one of the best young British D prospects we ever saw in this country. And that's Sam Oakford. Oh, yes. Uh, I loved, uh, I grew up watching, uh, by the time I was really back into hockey, Sam was the coming, was coming of age in, in, in B's colours. And I can distinctly remember coming back after one summer break and then the next time seeing Sam Oakford play, he had grown, he was taller, and he was so composed defensively, even in the EPL at that time. And he would have only been a 17, 18, who still, I think, just might have come out of the face cage. And he was just this imposing, calm, collective player. And then I was delighted to get to work with um, Oki and Basingstoke for a couple of years and then see his career continue and go on and develop elsewhere, going back to the Bs, finally making that step up to the Elite League and now enjoying his retirement. Um, At the age of 29, it is a great shame he's walked away from the sport because there is a lot that he could still bring to this sport. Mm. Like at, At his time, 
like there was a dearth of good British D-men coming through. At his time, Sam Oakford stood head and shoulders above so many other players. Like as a young guy in Basingstoke and before that in Bracknell, he, he's the sort of guy, again, that you just wanted to have part of your team. As a defenseman, you wanted him to, to step out on the ice alongside you. So absolutely no doubt in my mind, Sam Oakford goes into my all-star team because I, I just I think that there were, there's been not very often you see such a talented young British D-man come through. Do you know what? I couldn't have considered Sam Oakford because I wasn't involved in Basingstoke at the time. And therefore, that name never, ever crossed my mind until you've just thrown it out now. However, what I will say is that um, Richard from BSTV and I, we would always kind of pick a team based on the players that we would like to sign from other teams around the league. And Sam Oakford was always one I said, yeah, I'd love to have him in my team. I genuinely would. Now, for this, obviously, he played for Basingstoke and for Bracknell. Uh, before I was involved with either club, so I couldn't have selected him. But I cannot, cannot knock your selection of Sam Oakford. Thank you. Far too kind for that one. Shall I give you my other D-man now? Go on then. Uh, now this one, uh, he's iced for Bracknell. Yeah. He's iced for Slough. Yeah. He's iced for Basingstoke. And he's iced for Guildford. Why has my mind gone blank? Tony Why did I reveal that on the podcast? Oh, no. Yes. Tony Redmond. Now, I'm, yes. I'm being a little bit controversial. I'm sure Tony would be very upset that I've picked him as a deep man here. Uh, for Tony, like when I moved into working in an off-ice role, he was one of the first guys that reached out to me in Basingstoke, and he was one of the first guys that built a relationship with me. And I, I that is purely why his name is here. And obviously, right now he's working you back... Said at, I was picking my friends. Well, no, the... <laughs> This is the thing, isn't it? Like, but Tony at the time reached out and really actually taught me a lot about how things work off the ice. Yeah. Little things like the level of respect you give, the little things like how how do you go about this? How do you go about that? Working with young players, working with older guys, like there that was one of the best educations I could have gotten. Obviously, since then I've developed my education further as well. But in terms of making that step from being someone who just watches the sport as a fan to someone who's getting involved in the sport, in, in a semi-professional sport. Tony's education to me was superb at that time. Um, and obviously, like now he's coaching, he's back in Basingstoke. I know he's absolutely delighted to be involved with the Bison, and it's great to see that he, he is back there as well. Um, but yeah, Tony makes my all-star team just for what he did for me. And look, that's completely overwriting the career he had before that as a forward, um, that's completely overwriting a lot of things there. But for me, that's why he makes the All-Star team. Do you know what? Tony Redmond is uh, a top bloke, isn't he? Like, you know, I got to know him very well when he played in Slough and he is uh, a top bloke. And even now, you know, like when Basingstoke came to Bracknell and I did DJ a couple of games in Basingstoke as well this year, Tony would always make a point of coming and saying, hi, how are you and that. And he is just such a generous guy with his time, isn't he? He's a top bloke. He's a generous guy with his time. And he's never, ever unhappy to answer a question that you ask of him. And that just doesn't even mention the player that he was. You know, the fact that he could play forward, the fact that he could play defence, the fact that he did play both so very, very well. 
And certainly, I would imagine all in Basingstoke are happy that they have all the experience and the knowledge and the personability of Tony Redmond as part of their setup because he is a top bloke. And as you said earlier with Sam Oakford, gone from the game at 29, Tony Redmond retired as a player, still very, very much involved. And I'm sure all those who are, you know, young and upcoming in that Basingstoke roster can learn a lot from the way Tony conducts himself and also from the experience and the knowledge that he has to share as well. Indeed. Right then, roll the clock for me. Who's your, who's your, who's completing your decor? Okay, my decor completes with a player who can play forward, can play defence, has played both, uh, and also in his day was one of the most physical players uh, in the league at the time. And I've gone for, as my second defenceman, Warren Rost. Did wonder also, if, I did wonder if Warren was going to get the call up here, and I'm quite well, pleased you've gone for it. Also, you know, like Warren then went on to uh, be the player coach uh, as well of Slough. So he does have, you know, a great hockey brain. Comes from a fantastic hockey family as well. His mum and dad, John and Pauline, two of the loveliest people you could meet and instrumental in building a fantastic Slough junior system as well. But that didn't actually affect my decision. I'm just thinking, you know, like if you wanted a real tough guy in your defence who also, you know, Warren's a utility player, can play up front, can play at the back. Certainly when he first came to Slough, he played at the back. Towards the end, he did also move forward as well. But he was more than happy in an era of, in an era of physical hockey, he was more than happy as well to drop the gloves if needed. He was a good defenseman. He had a good shot on him, good positioning. And just for the all-round package, the physicality, the offensive and defensive play, my second spot goes to Warren Rost. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Obviously, and it, again, you can underline it by has the has this player had his number retired by the club. Warren Rost has had his retired. Tony Redman has had his retired by both the clubs. They're most synonymous with. So, uh, do you the know, sad thing is, the sad thing for me is that you know we've just both said Tony Redman still involved in the game. Warren Rost, look at the knowledge. You know, like his yeah. dad John, a fantastic player in his day. Warren, a fantastic player, and yet sadly, neither John nor Warren are still involved in the sport. And that, to me, is the one sad thing, is that there's no place in the sport for all of that knowledge uh, that Warren has brought up, uh, that Warren has learned uh, and brought through in his own play and also in his coaching as well. That's the sad thing for me. And I know we said that the game has moved on, and I would imagine that a young Warren Rost playing in the NIHL National this upcoming season would serve a lot of penalties the way he played the game. But at the time, at the time, he was a very, very effective defenseman. His competitive attitude is something I think that a lot of young players, like, you know, if you ever get to look on YouTube, and I have to say, I've never, I've never looked on YouTube for Warren Rost, but if you do ever look on YouTube and you do find some Warren Rost, there's a player that you could aspire to play like in terms of competitiveness and giving your all. Like, you know, Warren left everything out on the ice. When he retired to the dressing room at the end of the game, there wasn't a single bit more he could have given. And I think from that point of view, it is a shame that both Warren and his family are no longer involved in the sport. Maybe there's a pathway back. Maybe there, because as you say, someone with so much, just a wealth of knowledge, it does feel like if that if that is forever lost to the sport, then we're a much worse a sport because of it 
Right then. So I'm now curious because I'm going through this um, to give everybody the update. Netminder for me, Bruno Campese, with two D-men of Sam Oakford and Tony Redmond, while Mark has got Joe Myers in net with Trevor Cogan and Warren Rost on D. So that means Mark has yet to pick a non-EIHA trained player. So Mark, start off the forwards for me. Who are you going with in the forward slot? Okay, I'm going with the one that you said that I would go for. And that's Gary Stefan. However, I am using Gary Stefan as a reclassified player. Oh, here we go. So I'm still not an import here. But let's be honest, right? In terms of Gary Stefan, Gary Stefan has captained Team GB. Gary Stefan came to this country in 1980. Gary Stefan still lives two miles away from Slough Ice Rink, where he started the Slough Jets. He calls this country home now. He's played hockey for Team GB. He's captain Team GB. Uh, and if ever there was a reclassified player that you're going to get import standard from, it's Gary Stefan. Now, my last time seeing Gary on the ice was the Slough Jets Legends game in 2014. That's a long time after Gary Stefan retired. He retired way, way back at the end of the 90s. And Gary didn't have the speed anymore. But you can just see the hockey brain is there and the skill is there. And when you give him the puck, okay, he doesn't move as fast as he did when he was playing because when he played, he was pretty rapid. When he played, he was a fast-moving player as well. But you can just see all of the skill is still there. All of the hockey brain is still there. The thinking, you know. And even towards the end of Gary's career, he wasn't quite as fast in his last season as he had been before. But the thing that kept him relevant in that BNL winning Slough Jets team of uh, 88, uh, sorry, 98, 99, the thing that kept him relevant was the fact that Gary knew that he wasn't quite as fast as he was anymore. So he thought ahead and he was in the right place at the right time, knowing that he still had enough speed in him, in him if he was in the right place at the right time to still execute all the skill that he had. So I couldn't have picked this team without putting Gary in this team. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of the one I expected the minute it came out, but it's completely right. I mean, sure, I'm going to let you off on the reclassified on that one. I'll, 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 I'll close my eyes to it slightly, um, <laughs> but it is right. Like at the end of the day, Gary, he is the Slough Jets, and uh, I don't think people have ever known how close you both came to getting the Jets back in the EPL a couple of years ago. Um, and how great would that moment have potentially been if Gary had come back into the sport um, with an EPL Slough Jets team? Well, yeah. Um, you know what? Like I say, Gary's been in this country now for, what, 30 years? Um, he still, he calls Slough home. You know, Gary's Canadian, but he calls Slough home. And when I spoke to him and said to him, look, Gary, this is happening. What can we do? Let's meet straight away. Let's meet. Let's discuss this. And Gary wanted to keep Slough going as a professional club. And we tried every avenue that we could. And we were so, so, so close to it. But, you know, Gary was the, the founder of the Slough Jets. He was the premier player of the Slough Jets during his playing career. And he still, you know, still calls the town home now. So, you know... I couldn't have not picked him. Genuinely couldn't. Right then. So uh, I know you've only got imports to go now, unless you're going to throw the uh, Dave Williams. I'm only picking Brits this time card. 
No. Uh, so let me roll out one of my uh, forwards for you. Uh, I'm going to roll out, basically, we had discussion about this last week, about uh, would we roll the dice on him, and I completely am. Nicky Chib. Uh, because there was no, there was no more of an iconic British player to me growing up than Nicky Chin. Even when he donned the bees jerseys in the EPIHL at the start of that era, before moving across to Slough, and then obviously I got to work with Chinny in, in Basingstoke uh, on a couple of occasions, and really saw everything about him. And it, it was the other day when um, a picture from Grant King came up from when uh, the Bison won the EPL playoffs as part of that double winning season, and. I completely forgotten about Nicky Chin's goal in the final where he danced round teams. And that was a Nicky Chin at the end of his career. And you, you go and you look back, you look back at the Chinny that was the, the firebrand for the Cardiff Devils in the 90s uh, and the Steelers and, and all the other teams as well. I mean, we take half a podcast to list all the teams that he's played for over the years. Um, but you, 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 the same guy had it in him throughout the whole of his career. Um, and look, a great leader, a great, uh, a great person to be around. You only have, again, we'll see with the awards night. My favorite award on any awards night is player, player of the year. Cause you see the acceptance that other players have. Chinny was always one of the great ones at giving that award. Cause he would underline it to people. Just what this player has done about why the, the, the players player award is the most important one. And that has always stuck with me at the end of the day. Like you can't take anything away from what Nicky Chin did on the ice as a player. Um, if he wanted someone to stand up for you, he'd stand up for you. If he wanted someone to produce an outstanding pass, he could be that guy. If he wanted someone just to go to the net and tap in a rebound, he'd go to the net and tap in a rebound. He really had it all. And it, look, by the end of his career, I, I, I think it was he. It's finding that moment when to step away, and it's hard uh, in, in any career to decide. You know what? I, I'm going to step away rather than have it taken away from me. The, at one point, he stepped away, and I thought, brilliant. That's just the way to do it. Just underline it step away amazing career and move on because it still it still shocks me that there is he probably will never have his jersey retired by any club and I find that's the saddest thing isn't it and that's the bit and I appreciate he obviously during his career he moved around a bit but that is the bit that you sit there and you go geez a guy who iced so many games a guy who put up so many points a guy who put his body on the line each and every night is probably going to walk away from the sport with a with a wealth of memories and some really great underlining from the, from the great Britain side, but he's probably never going to have either the 17 or the 27 retired by any club or the 13. And you just sit there and you go, how is that possible? Do you know what? He is one of, um, he's the, the standout for me that I am absolutely gutted that I couldn't fit in because I have nothing but good stuff to say about Nicky Chin. And he is a player that adapted his game over the years very, very well. Uh, big man, happy to play a physical game. But then as the game started changing while he was still playing, he adapted his game and he came out with a different Nicky Chin. And, you know, as you say, one of the, the saddest things is Nicky Chin will never have the accolade of having a jersey hanging up at any of the clubs. But I think every single club if you were to ask them, you know, did you, were you lucky to have Nicky Chin? Every single club that he's played for would say, oh God, yes, we were very lucky to have Nicky Chin because he has brought something to every single club. He was the captain of the Slough Jets team that won a trophy for the first time in 10 years when they won at Coventry. 
it was Nicky Chin who got to uh, to lift the trophy. And again, he is somebody that will do anything. Whatever you ask of him, he'll do it. You know, like I remember times in Slough where we had defensemen out. I'll play. Not his natural role by any stretch of his imagination, but, you know, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll drop back. He is also someone that was always there to put an arm around the younger players, you know, because let's be honest, younger players make mistakes. He'd always be the one that'd go over. Don't worry, it's all right. Just forget it. Carry on. Keep going with your game. You're doing all right. Keep going. He'd be the one that'd do that. He'd always be the one. Let's be honest, he was always up for a night out as well, wasn't he? But he'd be the one that'd take the younger players under their wing. Because I think if you're looking at a British player, I don't think you can look much further than Nicky Chin. And that's ironic for me to say that because, as you know, I've got two imports left in my team. And I was gutted, absolutely gutted not to be able to fit him in. But if you're looking for a British player with longevity who reinvented himself as well, then I don't think you can look much further back than Nicky Chin. And I do remember there was a game, Slough versus Romford. And it was one of Andrew Sharp's first games in this country. And I remember uh, it had been a choppy game. And Andrew Sharp has decided that he's going to make an enemy of Nicky Chin, which was not really a very clever thing to do. Let's be honest, because at that time, Nicky Chin was still more than happy to play the physical role. And when it got to the end of the game, Andrew Sharp is doing chicken gestures at Nicky Chin because. Nicky Chin has said all game long, well, we're beating you. I don't really need to fight you. He's doing chicken gestures at Nicky Chin towards the end of the game, which Nicky's ignoring until eventually Nicky Chin, you could see he snapped. He'd had enough. Nicky Chin starts skating, and I've never seen Andrew Sharp move so fast in my entire life. He didn't even stay on the ice for the post-match presentations. He literally skated off the ice and stayed in the dressing room, having angered Nicky Chin. But that's just the character of the man, you know, like he knew that, you know, in his day, he was one of the strongest people in the league playing hockey. He didn't abuse that. He would fight if he had to. Um, and the one other thing I would say about Nicky Chin is the stick handling, because yes. we often remember yes. the big physical presence. But one thing that Nicky Chin could do that I've, I don't think I've ever seen anyone else do, Nicky Chin could control the puck on one hand whilst pushing away a defenseman with the other. Yeah. And that puck stays on the tape. So he's just pushed the defenseman effortlessly out the way. The puck is still on the tape with just the other hand. And then he's moved into position, either passed or scored. And I think that's something that we often overlook with Nicky Chin because we think, yeah, you know, big physical guy did this, this and this. You remember just the, you forget sometimes, sorry, just the sheer skill that he had, the stick handling and the way that he could control the puck with just one hand in a way that some players will struggle to control with both hands on the stick whilst also fighting off an opposing player. That was something that was magical about Nicky Chin. Yeah, and he, like I've got the jersey from when he uh he the um the bison ended there. Very long wait for um trophy success. I've got the jersey here and I need to get it framed uh, because it was a great moment. And you say you had the moment in Slough where he lifted the first trophy and, and he did it here in Basingstoke as well. So, yeah, great memories, great player. Right then, this is where my problems begin. I've got two names down here. Okay. And I've got to choose between them. And I, this is... Oh, I've got loads that I've kind of got down in my almost category. Yeah, this 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 is a real coin toss. 
And have you got a final? I've actually got a final two names, and I have got a long list of players that I was thinking, <sighs> can I fit them in? Well, have this, you actually got a final, or are you now deciding on the fly? I'm I've deciding on the two. fly here. and it's... I've got my two, and I know <laughs> that you're going to berate the last one. No, I, I, I'll tell you that now. I can't. I can't. This, is, this is obviously the final Brit I have in my team. Um, okay. Oh, this is so tough. I'm going Kieran Long. That's a great choice. Uh, and that's a current player. Um, Kieran, look, he was a talented kid when he was in Swindon. It was a game against Bracknell many years ago where he scored the um, the shootout winner when he was in the red and white of the Swindon Wildcats. And that was when he was a gangly, uh, thin as a rake, wet through, he must have been 16, face cage kid. And he was yeah. an outstanding talent then. Got to work with him in Basingstoke um, first time around. And he was, <laughs> he was a 19-year-old kid. Uh, he was fresh-faced. He was away from home. He enjoyed it. Uh, he got a, badly broke his wrist, and that, that took on GB under-20 duty. But when he came back, he was, and he got his head settled down. And he, look, he was immensely talented. And the best thing about working with Kieran the second time round is um, watching him grow as a human being has been incredible like watching the person that he has become now that's the proudest that, that he he has got to be so proud of himself because he was he was a talented tear away years ago now mm. he's just an outstandingly talented player he should have gone with the gb team last year he's not going to get a chance to go this year because of coronavirus i hope at some point kieran's going to get an opportunity to showcase himself on the gb level you you watched him in the EPL become one of the all time become the, the top point scorer as a British player in a team with five imports in it. He was yeah. an outstanding talent. He took it up to the elite they were the Manchester Storm and continued to step it on and moved across to Belfast and look, there was a lot of talent alongside him, the likes of Thomas Karpov and such like. But Kieran Long had the ability to play up to those levels. Um and do you know do you know how hard it is? The other name I had on my list here is Joe Greener. Mm. And it, it really is like an absolute two very different players. Uh, yeah, and I know that's another name I'm gutted to not have. Yeah. And Kieran always mentioned about how playing with Joe helped bring him on as a player and helped bring him on as a person and helped ground him and help push him on. So he's kind of like, well, you're probably not going to put Kieran Long in there without Joe Greener. I'm going to stick with Kieran Long. I, he mm. definitely makes my all star team. Um, I, I really hope he has a really good year next year in Belfast if he remains in Belfast. Uh, if he wants to come to the NIHL, there will always be a spot in Bracknell. I'm sure we can find it uh, because he is an outrageously talented player. Do you know what? Like, just on, on terms of the ta- in terms of the talent, have you ever seen a more nonchalant penalty shot taker? He can undress even the very best goalies and make it look like he wasn't even trying. Yeah. The, the talent that he has for penalty shots is amazing. But it's not just that about Kieran. I mean, I do remember when Slough signed Frankie Bakalik, all of a sudden there was this huge dilemma of who can play with him. Because Frankie at that stage was a step ahead of everyone else. Who can play with him? Upstep Kieran Long who could play with him quite happily, and they made a decent pairing in Slough. And then, as you say, like to watch the development of Kieran Long, the person, alongside Kieran Long, the player, we, you and I, have both seen him grow from a very, very talented 
uh, teenager into someone who is definitely going to go on and have a great international career to go with the domestic career that he already has. And the other one thing about Kieran Long is he's never, ever forgotten where he comes from. He's always still making time for the fans. Like I've seen pictures from Guildford where Basingstoke fans have gone to go and watch him play either for Manchester or for Belfast. And you'll see pictures after the game of Kieran Long with those fans that supported him in Basingstoke. He never, ever forgets where he came from. And he's still so very, very humble. I mean, he has every right with the talent he has to be one of the most arrogant people that there is, but he's still so very humble. And I think perhaps with Kieran, the one thing is, to him, he's just Kieran Long. He's not a superstar, he's just Kieran Long, and he probably doesn't realise how good he actually is. It's frightening, isn't it? It's, it yeah. is frightening. But anyway, so right, Kieran Long goes into my second slot. How are you rounding up into your second slot? I am That's going awful wording with, from me there, by the way. That is awful wording. <laughs> we're professionals, you know. We're media professionals. This is crazy, isn't it? I am going with, for my second slot, Joe Stefan. Now, I can hear the chuckling in the background. If you ask, if you ask Gary Stefan, he will say, my brother is crazily more talented than me. And we just spoke a few moments ago about the huge amount of talent that Gary Stefan had. And he will say, my brother's more talented than me. Joe Stefan was an amazing talent. And not only that, Joe Stefan is kind of from an era of hockey that I absolutely loved. Six foot three, 220 pounds, big guy, plays, you know, plays the body so well. And just like I remember in the days before we had uh, ice hockey games filmed generally, uh, you know, like I just remember some of the things I'm just watching them flash through my head now. Some of the goals that Joe Stefan scored and he'd just leave you thinking, wow, that's amazing. And, you know, I, I, I know what you're going to say. You've picked your mates and that. But seriously, Joe Stefan, I think, was a, a fantastic talent. And at one stage, we got to see him play alongside his brother and the two of them together were an awesome pairing. So for me, Gary Stefan, Joe Stefan, awesome pairing. Joe gets my second forward spot. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, there's a show. Like, absolutely right. You really are putting this on. It's quite interesting, our two eras, isn't it? Like the latest one of your players played 2005, maybe? Warren? Well, I've got one more to come. Oh, you're going to bring it up today, are you? You're going to drag us into the uh, drag us into the modern era. Uh, but no, and obviously Joe still has a big role in uh, the uh, Flint Firebirds, uh, Firebirds even in the OHL, helping develop stars of the future as well. So still having his knowledge uh, passed around the sport. Great hockey brain. Yeah, and he, he, that's what you want to tap into at times. Right then, your final slot, Mark Denham. My final slot. Um. Should we just turn your microphone off? I, 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 a huge chuckle of laughter. Just, just, about just, to come. just to let everybody know what normally happens at this moment in the podcast. Normally, when Mark speaks, I put my microphone down. I don't have a studio mic at the moment. I put my microphone down just so, like, any background noise doesn't get picked up. But I have re-picked up just in case I need to do a reaction to this. So, Mark, go ahead. Well, I just like to say that this is an audio podcast and not visual. 
Otherwise, like everyone would have seen my reaction to your goaltender last week. I reckon that this is going to be a similar reaction to you on my third and final forward. Oh, this, this is going to be so good. <laughs> so my third and final forward didn't get to see uh, this person very long because they didn't even complete a single season with one of the clubs that I was involved with. Here we go. You've got an idea now, haven't you? <laughs> You've got an idea now, haven't you? The the player that I have gone with as my third forward is Derek Rowe. <laughs> and the reason, the reason, when Graham's recomposed himself, the reason I have gone with Derek Rayle is he was signed in Basingstoke mid-season and he did something very, very similar to Dominic Gabayas done in Basingstoke. He set the league on fire and I got to watch Derek Rayle do things that I've only ever seen happen in the NHL before. His stick handling was crazily good. The way he could control the puck like uh, stick to skate to stick just round a defenseman, and it just happened in a flash. The defenseman was just, oh, what happened there? And I think you know, even you can agree, though, Graham, and we do have our different views on Derek, I know that, but even you can agree, when it came to that playoffs, Derek Rail carried the Bison offensively. And that's no, that's no markdown for Thomas Karpov. That's no markdown for Rennie Yarolin. Uh, Derek Rail carried the Bison offensively in that forward. He turned it on and he showed all of the skill that he had as well. And the other thing with Derek is as well, and I know like, you know, in a limited import league, it's perhaps not the biggest thing, but Derek wasn't afraid to play a physical game either. So I know we have our differing views on Derek, but on account of the fact that I think he is the most skilled player that I have ever got to see actually in front of me rather than just on the telly, from, uh, you know, over the pond, Derek Rail gets my final spot. Oh, my God. Now? <laughs> Derek, no, not quite. Hang on, let's just go for your team. Joe Myers makes it for 10 good performances. Uh, Trevor Kogan makes it for years <laughs> of good performances. Warren Ross makes it for years of good performances. Gary and Joe Stefan make it for years of really good performances. Derek makes it for six good games and about 25 ordinary ones, does he? Derek Rail makes it for the sheer skill that Derek Rail has. Um, the most, I, I'll say this, the most frustrating player I have ever watched. Derek, as Mark is completely right on this. When Derek came into that Basingstoke team, he lit the league up. We got told he'll be brilliant for the first few games. And then it just tails off a little bit. And unfortunately it did. But we then got told, oh, don't worry, come the playoffs. He'll be your best player on the ice. How he didn't score in that playoff semi-final, I will never, ever know, because he ran like a rampage all over that ice to try and get something for the Bison in that game. I've just really enjoyed you putting him in. I, all of a sudden, when you said he did it, I was like, oh, he's gone there. Knew, <laughs> he's gone there. Because, yeah. look, on skill alone, yeah, yep. I can see where you're coming from. When he was at the top of his game, there have been few that have hit that that in that EPL and we're talking that is the five import era in the EPL there yep. have been few to hit the levels he did <laughs> just i just re and here comes the caveat no but the the, the caveat i've said is uh, Derek on his day is a really good player unfortunately his days are when he first joins a club and when it comes to the playoffs there's a lot in the middle that you just end up being frustrated with 
I will just say that Derek did have an elbow injury as well. I'll just point that out in the middle part there that you're saying you're disappointed with, but so I'd throw that in. I'm just, uh, I mean, I accuse you of being the president and founder of the Roman Malenik fan club. I always oh. forget your first love was Derek Rail. So, like, I just hello, Derek. If you I'm, I'm sure he is. I'm sure. Uh, I mean, as I say, like. He came in, he lit it up. We've mentioned Kieran Long. There were a few that could play to the level that Derek did. Um, Kieran certainly could. I <laughs> just, I'm really enjoying that. All right, all right, all right. Hang on. Just, just on the skill alone, which is why I've selected. Well, this, this is a, just on the this, skill alone. Name me a better player on the skill alone. No, and I know that you can't just select on skill alone no. if you are a coach picking an actual team. But on the skill alone, name me a better player. I'm not, dispu- I'm not disputing this with you. At the end of the day, Derek, was the, Derek, Derek, as I have said before, there must come a point where he might look back on his career and think what might have been. This is a guy who during the off-season trains with the Detroit Red Wings. And that shows in his play. Yeah. <laughs> it shows in his play for those games of the season where he turns up. I, I just have to be on it. Like, and the, the thing is, it's not, I'm not judging that just on how he did in, in a Basingstoke jersey. That's all I saw with my eyes. But you hear from Manchester, you hear from Brayhead, exactly the same stories. And look, I'm not going to dispute it. On skill alone, yeah, he's in contention. He is one of the most skillful players I have seen with my eyes. I, I, I just, I, I love it. <laughs> it's a bold call. It's, it is on the Ashley Smith register of names um that's for sure i've really enjoyed that oh. so go on then go on who is oh. yours i'm guessing it won't be as controversial okay i have got such a list here i do not know where to begin <laughs> <laughs> like this is well, at least i was committed goodness me i mean you went for it i mean going back to my era as a fan dale junkin been loving watching dale junkin again as a player pc druin been loving watching PC Druin again as a player. Denny Chassé, love watching Denny Chassé again. Matt Beveridge, you can't forget about what he did in that season where he came into the Bees and just lit up the scoring charts as they went on to win the EPIHL title. You can't forget that. Then moving into my time actually working in a club. First year in Basingstoke, Andre Lauko, a hell of a point scorer uh, for those two seasons in Basingstoke and continued to do similar for Peterborough as well. Moving to the second year in Basingstoke, Victor Kibenko. Oh, what a player Victor Kibenko was. Big, tall, strong, aggressive. Really lit the league up that year in that combination he had with uh, one guy that I'm surprised you didn't put in your team in, Steve Moria. And, uh, but, but he's on my list. He's, he's on the list of my almost as well, Victor Kibenko. And then you move on to someone like Thomas Karpov, who I, it's a great shame Bees fans never got to see Karpov in a Bees jersey. Appreciate life overtook for him. Thomas Karpov, he, yeah, he lit up the scoring charts, but it's what he did apart from that. His completely yeah. unselfish play, his ability to... What I loved about Karps is... and It's kind of that weird thing. You could have, with Thomas Karpov, have put him with your best two players and they would have scored absolutely shed loads of points. What you could do with Karps, though, is you could put him with... Oh, God, Michael Wales, Alan Lack. You could put him with anybody on the team and he would bring them up to his... He was almost preferred it when he didn't play with other star players alongside him. Um, he, he was a very unique character. Uh, and also, I have to say, one of the nicest guys I've ever met in the sport. Uh, also on my list, you know, and I, I did 
there are players that I wrangled with myself, like, could I get him in? Could I get him in? Thomas Karpov, as you say, is more than just the numbers. Yeah. Uh, and then I started thinking, like, obviously, Matty Beveridge was a mid-season signing for the Bees years ago. Rene Yarolin in Basingstoke, maybe maybe one of the smartest players I've ever seen to play hockey. Yeah. Didn't have the legs, didn't have the greatest of speed, but his vision and his reading of the game, no wonder he was a top point scorer in the Elite League when he came down into Basingstoke Colours. He was a level above. And then I look at the guy we signed this season. And I look at Dominic Gabay and I see quite a lot of Rene Yarolin in Dominic Gabay. Yeah. A guy who just reads the game so well. Like, I love players that just are so smart when they play hockey. You look at Dominic Gabay, you know he's the smartest player on the ice. And I'm saying, I'm throwing all those names out there and I'm going, who on earth am I going to pick in that lineup? Who on earth am I going to go for? And just talking it through there, I think there's a clear winner. Thomas Karpov makes my list. Yeah. And I say say this, I I still feel so bad Bees fans didn't get to see him in a Bees jersey. Like, genuinely, and again, he's, what, 29, 30 it, yeah. it just what a, at the time what a play signed for Telford we then took him away from Telford and he became a bit of a star everyone forgets that yeah one season where he went a little bit off the boil a little bit but then came back strongly and competitive and and you instantly want him in your team um it's really close between I Karpov was the consistent guy if you're looking for a guy who came in and made an impact that's Dominic goodbye it's so yeah. close between them two. It's like a wafer thin. I think if if we did this again next season and Gabay has a similar season to what he's had in his so far campaign, Dominic Gabay makes this team. Mm. As you say, it's tragic, isn't it, that um, Bees fans didn't get to see Thomas? Because if you think back to Doug's first season in Basingstoke, it was Thomas Karpov and it was Roman Malenik. And that would have been, in the Britain Conference, I'll say this now, the best import pairing of any team. Because Roman and Thomas go about things so very, very differently, but they are both so very, very effective. And Thomas doesn't care. Put him with top-line players. He'll do his business. Put him with third-line players. Not only will he do his business, but he will drag them up with him. And he is an outstanding talent. And he is one that's very, very high on the top of my list of players that I could just couldn't quite squeeze in. And I know that based on what you're saying, given that Thomas Karpov is sat up top of my list of players that you couldn't squeeze in, based on what you're saying, I know that in my lineup, you would swap Karpov for Rail, definitely. But I can't disagree with Thomas Karpov at all because... He's not only an awesome player, he is, again, somebody like Kieran Long who never ever forgets that you're basically there to not only play the game, but you're basically there to entertain the fans. And after the game, Thomas would go off, he'd get changed, and he'd come out and he'd always make time for the fans, the young fans, the old fans, and that is the sort of character that you need around the game, isn't it? You need someone who interacts with the fans and we mentioned this earlier you know like about the referees and that there was a time where all the players from both teams gathered in the bar whatever rink it was 
along with the officials. So they'd all have a chat with each other. They'd all have a chat with the fans. Thomas Karpov would be right up there in that as well. But yeah, um, can't disagree with Thomas Karpov at all for you. See, as you say, I'm I'm sat there with that list of names. I'm going, goodness me, there's so much talent. I've I've left so much talent out of this team as well. Like it 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 was a look. I preferred this challenge to coming up with the all star from teams' performances yeah. against us because it really like. And I'm not saying that's my fight. Like in two weeks' time, that five might change. Mm. Like I mean, I've got players like Mindy Kiras on yeah, my list here. Goodness me! But then I'm thinking two imports. Yeah, I've got Joe Stefan. I've got Derek Rail. Can't get an import. You've got Gary Stefan as well. I mean, technically three imports, though. So. Well, Gary <laughs> Stefan was reclassified by the end of his playing career. Um, do you only, do we only count the years where Gary was reclassified then? This is the question. <laughs> well, I'm counting the whole lot, but he's reclassified now. Um, I've got, as you mentioned, Steve Maria on my list. You know, let's not forget that there, there's a guy who played well into, if you ask Mo, his 30s. But, you know, there's a guy who, again, Played for Team GB in an era when he could. Um, and there's a guy who led Slough to their first play, their first playoff win. Uh, a guy who brought them their first trophy in 10 years. Guy who more than once knocked up a 100-point season. A great player. And just some of the names that are on my list, I'm thinking, oh, this is so tough to fit them in. Like you say, it's it's... It's a fun challenge, and we've both come up with very different teams and very different makeup of our teams. It's a fun challenge, but I bet you, like me, have a long list of players that, can I get this guy in? Can I get that guy in? How can I get this guy in? I mean, for me, one of the most difficult ones was how could I not fit Nicky Chin in? But then it would have been wrong to have put him in, despite the fact he'd happily have done it, it would have been wrong to put him in as a defenseman. Yeah, because Nicky Chin was a forward and who could play defense, but it would have been wrong, you know. Like you, probably just like me, have a long, long, long list of names, and you're thinking, "Well, oh, he was awesome." Yeah, but I can't fit him in. Oh, I've got, there's one name on my list that I'm sat here and I deliberately haven't mentioned him so far. I never saw probably the best of Doug Shepherd as a player. Uh, yeah. um, don't doubt me. If we're sitting here and we're talking about coaches, he's the first name on the list, and there's no doubt in my mind about that one. I didn't see when Doug was in his younger prime in Basingstoke. I was obviously over in Bracknell. Um, and then as the time developed, like I, I appreciated him as a player in Sheffield, massively appreciated him in that Slough team alongside Calder and such like when... Uh, it, it... See, there's a player <sighs> I mentioned either. I mean, obviously, you couldn't have mentioned him. Yeah, but... But Adam Calder, sadly no longer with us. What a talent he was as well. And to combine him with Doug Shepherd. Um, I mean, let's not forget, you know, like you and I both saw Doug Shepard. You saw him in his last years as a player. I saw him in his penultimate years as a player. Signed and brought into Slough and then taken over as head coach. Doug Shepard, as a player, was still very, very potent as a forward in those days. But also Doug Shepard was the man who got a team that had been basically written off to go on and win at Coventry. Now, let's not forget Doug Shearer in Slough, you know, like when he signed in Basingstoke, we mentioned six trophies in six years. It's seven in seven because you have to add in the, yep. the Slough year as well. That Slough Jets team went a little bit off the rails due to, shall we call it, outside interference. <laughs> but Doug Shepard, together with Joe Greener, the captain of that Slough team, 
you know, like Joe, I remember had a meeting with the players and just said, look, we are letting Shep down. And when Joe spoke as captain, everybody listened. People respected him. He is one of the top British power forwards that there's ever been. Everybody respected that when Joe spoke. And that team went on to get hammered in Milton Keynes in the first leg of the semi-final. It was, to all intents and purposes, all over. The Milton Keynes Lightning fans were probably celebrating before they even turned up at Slough. I think one the one crucial thing there is that 4-5 battle. Slough had four, so therefore had the choice of the home days and took the Sunday. And I know certainly there were Slough fans who were on the social media feed saying, well, it's all over. It's all over. Doug and indeed Joe, but Doug as the coach, led that team through that semi-final against all the odds against the, 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 that game was certainly replayed. I didn't watch it, but it was replayed on uh, Slough's social media a couple of weeks ago, the, the famous 2012 home playoff semi-final. And Doug kept that team calm and he gave them the direction that they needed to go out there and overcome that huge hurdle, get to Coventry, go on and win. And I remember saying to Richard after that game, we will win Coventry. And he said, that's a bit arrogant, isn't it? I said, ask me again. Like, you know, next week, Richard, this time next week, ask me again. Tell me it's arrogant then. We will go on and win Coventry. And that was down to Doug Shepard, who held that team together and masterminded that plan that got through all the outside interference and went on to lift a trophy in Slough. And it's, it's Slough's last ever professional trophy. Take nothing away, you know, like they cleaned up. Not last season now, but the season before they cleaned up in NIHL too. Very, very different to cleaning up in what was then a four-import, very high-standard EPL. And that's Doug Shepard who won that last trophy. And the man that we can't forget in that as well is his right-hand man, Joe Greener as well, who was a, you know, like you mentioned about Joe Greener, the player. The one thing we didn't touch on was Joe Greener, the captain as well. Because Joe just had a way of knowing how to captain a team. And he knew how to talk to the team. And with Joe, you knew that when he asked you to do something, he was asking you to do something that he was more than prepared to do himself. Never once would he have asked anybody to go out and battle in a situation that Joe wouldn't have done it. We mentioned Joe the player, fantastic power forward. We didn't mention Joe the leader as well. No, exactly. Um, it's it was a tough test. You're not going to fit everybody in, um, uh, but I think we've done a, a, a really good job there. And I haven't come up with any other challenges in the recording of the rest of this podcast. I've actually just been invaded by my two dogs who've come up to see me. They're wondering, are they offering their opinion? Oh, They're just Marley's deciding whether he wants to. Uh, do you know what we've done well? We're Thirty-three episodes in, and Marley has yet to make an appearance on the podcast. So uh, I think finally now we're out of the office. He's probably got more sense about hockey than I have. So uh, it's great to uh, to welcome him in for this. My cat's still asleep. Oh, I can dream of them being asleep. Marley just dragged the door to the studio open and decided he's coming in to say hello to everybody. Um, but yeah, what a, what that was. So let's just roll through the teams once again. I'll do my one first. So in net, I've got Bruno Campese on D. I've got Sam Oakford and Tony Redmond. And then up top, I've got Nicky Chin, Kieran Long and Thomas Karpov. 
I've got Joe Myers in goal. I've got Trevor Cogan, Warren Rost on defence. I've got Gary Stefan, Joe Stefan and Derek Rail as my forwards. Two very different teams again. And we want to know your teams and, that, that, and how you can do that. It's amazing. It's taken me until 1 minute 40 or two to stuff up my words in this. Uh, but we want to know your teams as well. Please do send them in via social media where you can also keep up to date with all the latest from the TSI World Bracknell Bees. Mark, how can fans do that? Well, the website, as always, bracknellbees.com. That's where you'll find all the news. And, of course, we will be throwing out other little tidbits, like we did asking you to vote for bits uh, on games and goals of the season. Uh, We'll also be throwing out bits for the podcast and stuff like that on our social media feeds. They are on Bracknellbees Facebook, Bracknellbees Twitter. They are both at Bees Ice Hockey, and the Instagram is at the Bees. So make sure you do follow those because... Uh, obviously, as Graham said, it is a longer than usual summer this year, and we will be reaching out to you across our social media platforms throughout the longer than usual summer to hopefully keep you entertained and involved as well. Mark, I don't say that I don't listen to you, but Chester, our Cocker Spaniel, also decided to jump in the room then. So did you announce the website? I did announce the website. Hello, Chester. Chester decided it's chaos here at the uh, the Bell household. You can see the lockdown is really taking full effect. Don't forget this week, we do have the virtual awards going out on Friday. So tune in for that one or catch it up later on. And then a doubleheader watch party this weekend where we will welcome the Newcastle Vipers in the 2014, 2004-2005 BNL. It was all going so well. It was all going so well. And then the dogs came in. They had enough of me chatting about it. Uh, Marley is also just... Uh, what's that, Marley? Yeah, he picked Derek Rail. Yeah, I can't believe it either. Anyway, <laughs> right then, uh, Mark, pleasure as ever. What good fun that was. Thank you, Graham. Have fun with it. <laughs> I've got to try and explain to Marley why you picked Derek Rail now. Most importantly of all, Bees fans, please continue to stay safe. Please continue to be aware. Keep up to date with all the latest from the government advice. We will soon be back into the sunshine. We'll soon be back seeing one another. But until then, please do take care of yourself. And, oh, goodness knows what Mark's going to play for the tune-out this week. Who knows? It's going to be a wonderful surprise for you. Until next time, goodbye. Bees Radio Network. BracknellBees.com.